Hello, Parkview. My name's Tim. I'm one of the guys. Thank you, both of you. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm one of the guys that, that speaks here from time to time. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. I'm glad you're here. And I'm, uh, well, wow, a chipper crowd. Yeah, but I, 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 I hope by the time that we're done, you'll be glad too. Since we're talking about what we're talking about today, I thought we'd begin with a little quiz. Any guess what kind of quiz? Sharp crowd too, chipper and sharp. A true-false quiz. Here we go. Let's just let's just see. On these, you can answer out loud. Okay. Here's the first one. Uh, singing in the shower lowers heart rate, cholesterol, and reduces the risk of cancer. Okay. This one is actually false, but it's good news because see, it's actually dark chocolate that lowers your cholesterol, reduces your heart rate, and uh, reduces the chance of cancer. So, you know, have at it. Here's, here's the next one. You can start a fire by rubbing together two Cool Ranch Doritos. True. True. I don't know who it was that figured it out, but this is, that, that was true. You can start a fire by rubbing Doritos together as long as they're Cool Ranch. Men are twice as likely to be struck by lightning than women. True? Actually, this is false. Men are four times more likely to be struck by lightning. You know why? Because we deserve it. That's why. That's why. Next one. Here's one for the ladies. Most lipstick is partially made of fish scales. Yeah, that's like true as in ooh. Yeah, there's this, there's this uh, ingredient in most lipsticks. Not that I know a lot about lipsticks, but um, that, that called pearlescence. And pearlescence is a fancy name for ground-up fish scales. Here's the next one. Termites eat wood twice as fast when listening to heavy metal music. Well, that one's true. But I just like the the image of, you know, turtles, uh, turtles, termites, you know, listening to Judas Priest on the little iPods. I I just kind of like, you got another thing coming. Anyways, in in the weightlessness of space, if a frozen pea... See the little frozen peas there? If a frozen pea touches Pepsi, it will explode. See, that has to be true. Why would I put that up there? That is actually true. I want to see it, don't you? A a frozen pea blowing up. Just add Pepsi. Uh, Here's another one. Babies are born without kneecaps. This is actually true as well. Babies, human babies are born without kneecaps. There's just some cartilage there that turns, that ossifies and turns to bone sometime between the age of two and six. Learn something new every day. These were hard, so I thought I'd give you an easy one. The Blackhawks will repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, that's easy. Actually, I do have one more, and this one I do not. I don't want anybody to answer out loud on this one, okay? Please don't. Here's, Here's the next one. The Bible is true. Just think about it. Now, I know there's a whole lot of people here today who would uh, not only say true, they might say amen. I grew up in the Bible Belt. There used to be these bumper stickers you'd see on cars that would say, The Bible, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That that was a big thing where I grew up. Uh, If that's pretty close to how you feel, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, and this is for you, but I'm not going to talk to you right now. I'm going to come back to you. Maybe your answer to the, is the Bible true question, maybe you'd answer true, but it's really just kind of, it's, eh, just kind of what you were taught 
as a kid. It's just kind of what you always believed or what you were told. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's what you were told by, by, by nuns and priests that, that, that you looked up to or who taught you. So you'd say, yeah, the Bible's true, but really, uh, I don't really know what it says. And I don't really know how it's supposed to help me. And it's not really shaping my life. But I, I, I guess it's true. If that's where you are, we're glad you're here and this is for you. Or maybe you wouldn't really necessarily say false, but you wouldn't necessarily say true either. But it's not because you're against the Bible. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you say that, 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 that you believe the Bible is a good source of moral guidance or personal inspiration. But when it comes right down to saying the Bible's True, it's better. you'd say, no, I'd rather say the Bible's a good thing. But maybe you believe it's kind of just a collection of sayings and stories that have been made up and handed down over the ages. If that's where you're at with this, we're glad you're here today. And I hope there's something for you too. Or maybe you're just not sure. Maybe, maybe you really, really, really believe in the Bible, kind of, but there's, there's parts of it that make no sense to you. So parts of it are, you could say true, but other parts you could say, I don't know so much. I'm glad you're here too. Let's just dive into this stuff. A lot of people say, for a lot of different reasons, the Bible's not true. For, for starters, um, some will say the Bible isn't true historically. You know, that what the Bible says happened didn't really happen. For instance, in Genesis, there's this story about Abraham going to war against the kings of these five cities. So they were cities. They were like city-states, okay? And it says that the, it was the king of Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, Zeboim, and Zoar. But people came along and said there was a problem here. These five cities if they were big enough to have kings and be kind of kingdoms in their own right, if they really existed, they'd exist somewhere, be mentioned somewhere outside the Bible, but, but they didn't. So they said if those cities ever existed, there'd be evidence outside the Bible. But there wasn't any. So a lot of really educated people said that uh, the story about Abraham going to war against Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, Zeboim, and Zoar was just a legend. Until in 1974... An archaeological find was made in northern Syria and the researchers found multiple references to these five cities mentioned in the Bible. And it was really interesting because not only did the names of the five cities match exactly, the cities are, are mentioned in exactly the same order. Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, Zeboim, and Zoar. Just one example. Another example, David, you know, King David. There's more stuff about David in terms of biographical detail about his life than anybody else in all the Bible. In fact, there's more stuff about King David. Um, in the, we have more information, more biography about his life than anybody else in all of ancient history. You know, more than Julius Caesar or, you know, Alexander the Great or anybody. But for years, many, many historians said, you know, King David, you know, outside the Bible, there's no reference to him uh, anywhere. There's no inscriptions. There's no artifacts. There's no uh, mention to him and of, of him in writings of other kingdoms. King David is just a legend. But then in 1993, archaeologists unearthed what's called the Tell Dan Steel. Not to be confused with the band Steely Dan. But here's the Tell Dan Steel. And on the Tell Dan Steel, they found a, a reference, a clear reference to King David. And then as recent as 2008, 
You know, just in the last five years, an archaeologist found a pottery shard from the biblical era that refers to a battle between David and some character called Goliath. Now, see, I could go on and on about things that folks said, oh, that's not true. What the Bible's saying, that's not true because, you know, this or that. And no, I don't mean that archaeology proves the Bible is true. But over and over and over and over again, things that people have said, oh, that's just not true. That never actually happened. Turns out to be true. Or maybe you've heard the stuff that says, well, you know, really the real problem is the Gospels. The story of Jesus, the stories of Jesus' life we have, those, those, those are just legend. Those are just myth. Those were, in fact, some people say that those were made up by the followers of Jesus in order to, you know, consolidate their power and promote their religion. How many of y'all saw or read the Da Vinci Code? You can raise your hand, I'm not going to knock it. I, I, I enjoyed the book, it was a real page turner, the movie, I like Tom Hanks. And so it's not, 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 not knocking it, um, but it's real interesting. In the, in the Da Vinci Code, Da Vinci Code, it, it says up front that it's fiction. But in the Da Vinci Code, the, uh, it's, it says that the, the idea that Jesus is God was an idea that was made up later by the Emperor Constantine. Emperor Constantine came to power early 4th century and uh, in the Da Vinci Code he'll say, oh well, you know, and so he, he made up the, the belief that, that Jesus was God in order to uh, trump the other religions. Early Christians didn't really believe Jesus was God. That came later. It's just not true. In fact, we have evidence in the Bible itself that's not true. In the, in the Bible, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, for instance, there's a section that talks about Jesus' divinity. Look at it. It says in Philippians 2 that, that Christ was truly God, but he, did not re, but he did not try to remain equal with God. Instead, he gave up everything and became a servant when he became like one of us. And, what's, and the reason that's important right there is because all these people saying, oh, you know, the divinity of Christ, that doesn't come up until the fourth century. Well, actually, those words were written um, in the Bible around A.D. 62. And they already existed before that. The Apostle Paul is actually quoting a song that was sung by early Christians in A.D. 62. So we know we know that early Christians believed that Jesus was God more than 250 years before the time of Constantine. Constantine didn't make it up. Plus, it really interests me. My, one of my favorite things about studying, you know, whether, can, whether you can trust or not what, what the stories about Jesus in the Gospels are true or not, that it was just, you know, that it was just made up by church leaders. If it was made up by church leaders, it was made up poorly. Here's what I mean. There's all this stuff in it that if you were in charge and you were one of the church leaders, you just wouldn't put in there. The apostles, the first leaders of the church, if you read the Gospels, are, are described as, as, as petty and jealous. And at times they're just a bunch of complete knuckleheads. A fact in which I personally take great comfort. I know, right? If somebody was making this stuff up to consolidate their own power, they wouldn't talk about the failures of the most prominent leaders. Does that make sense? You'd make them look like superheroes. No, no, they're, they're, they're very frail. They're very fragile. They're, they're, they're very flawed. Another example, when, when the Gospels say that Jesus rose from the dead, and people say, oh, that's just a made-up story. But there's good sound reasons to believe it's not a made-up story. I'll give you just, just one of my favorite examples of this. Just one piece of evidence that suggests that the resurrection really happened is this and the story was not made up. 
in the Bible, the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection were women. And here's why that's important. Back then, you think sexism is bad in our day. Sexism was so bad back then, if you were a woman, you couldn't even testify in court. Your testimony was not acceptable because you weren't considered to be a truthful or reliable witness. And so in the story of Jesus, the very first people to spread the news that Jesus is alive were women. If you were making it up, you wouldn't, ha you wouldn't make that up. You just wouldn't. If you were making it up to make it sound true, you'd have the news being uh, announced to, you know, men who are pillars of the community. You know, the women would just be standing there handing them sandwiches or something. But I realize there's other stuff about the Bible that's just kind of, you know, we, we go, I just don't know if that's, if that's true or not. One time, this family came to church, and after church, the mom asked, asked the little boy, he was like five, you know, what would you learn in Sunday school today, honey? And he said, oh, mom, we learned about how the Israelites were traveling across the desert, and they were being chased by the Egyptian army, and they, they were backed up against the Red Sea. And then Moses called in airstrikes by attack helicopters <laughs> and cruise missiles from, from stealth bombers and saved the day. And mom goes, is that what they really told you? He said, no, but if I told you what they said really happened, you'd never believe it. <laughs> I've heard lots of people say, you know, the Bible's just not true. It's, it's filled with accounts of miracles that scientifically simply could not have happened. Some believe it's scientifically impossible that the Red Sea parted or that a person who was tortured to death on a cross on Friday would uh, rise from the dead on Sunday. And we don't have time to go into this in depth today. So just let me share the one thing that's helped me the most with kind of wrestling through philosophically with, you know, it, it, miracles. Is that, is, is that really true? See if this makes sense. The impossibility of miracles is not a scientific fact. The impossibility of miracles is not a scientific fact. Stick with me. See if this makes sense. That miracles can't happen, that's not a fact. That would be a belief. So if anybody ever says to you, miracles can't happen, you should respect their beliefs. But it's a belief. It's, it's not a fact. It's a belief that nothing can happen that doesn't have natural, explainable, scientific explanations and causes. If somebody believes that's true that nothing can happen that isn't scientifically explainable, that is their prerogative. But that's a matter, that's, that's a belief, not a fact. How is it possible for a body of water to part and nearly a million people to walk across on dry land like the, the Bible says? How is that possible? I do not know. Truth is, I do not know. How is it possible for somebody who was tortured to death on a cross, executed on Friday, Put in the grave on Friday. Get up, get up from the grave on Sunday. Better than new. How's that possible? Truth is, I don't know. I don't know how it's possible. But here's what I do know. I do know that if there's a God who created everything, the possibilities of miracles is not illogical or irrational. See, if God created everything out of nothing, think about this with me. If God created everything out of nothing, seems to me... He wouldn't have a problem rearranging parts of it as he wished on down the line. To be sure that miracles can't occur, you'd have to be sure 
that God doesn't exist. And even the most strident atheists will admit that, 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 that the existence of God cannot be disproven. But here's the big thing. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is what? I'm sorry, what is what? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. And, and whether you believe that with all your heart and you want to say amen. Or whether you go, I don't know, I'm wrestling with that. Wherever you're at in that, here's what I want to suggest. The idea of true isn't about just that. Because the only question that matters is, is not do I believe the Bible is true. The question that matters is, am I a person of truth? How many of y'all saw the Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar? How many saw Liar, Liar? That's, that's a great movie. I love, I love Liar, Liar. Jim Carrey plays this very successful guy who basically lies his way to the top of the corporate ladder. But when he misses his son's birthday party after promising that he'd be there, well, let's watch. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Max. Happy birthday to you. Make a wish. Come on, Max. It can be anything you want, anything in the whole world. going to see you tomorrow, okay? He's going to pick you up from school, all right? So come on, make a wish. wish for one day dad couldn't tell a lie and his wish comes true and his dad becomes 100% truthful and it's really funny you know he's walking down the street and some homeless guy you know some panhandler is going guys spare change mister and he goes absolutely he walks in and his secretary who's got this really funky hairdo goes like my new dress and he goes whatever takes the focus off your head and he's, he's racing someplace and, the, and, the, and the, the cop pulls him over and says, you know why I pulled you over? And he says, because I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light and speeding. He just can't stop telling the truth. I love that movie. But, but I, and I think we watch it and I think we kind of congratulate ourselves for not being as big a liars as him. But I wonder if the movie interests us for another reason, that something else is going on. There's a fascinating book called The Liar in Your Life. And the guy who wrote it has done 30 years of research. And his findings have been tested over and over and over again. And his most famous finding is that in the typical 10-minute conversation, we tell an average of 3.3 lies. 
3.3 lies every 10 minutes. It might be something simple like, good to see you. <laughs> Your hair looks so cute. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that movie, it was great. And I didn't see it at all. How about this one? Parents, 59% of parents admit to lying to their kids on a regular basis. Things like, honey, we can't go to the candy store because it's closed. <laughs> or, mommy or daddy, I can't do that right now. I've got a very important meeting go to go to. When really, I'm going shopping or playing golf or something. The research says that, listen, the research says that almost everybody in this room today would say, I am an honest person who can be trusted. But that all of us lie far more often than we realize or admit. At least 25% of us have information on our resumes that's just not true. Huge number of us pad our expense reports. And God only knows how many of us do cash deals to avoid taxes and underreport our income every year. You know what underreporting is? Uh, you know what it is? It's lying. It's lying. And let's try something, okay? And, and, and I'm going to put what I believe are kind of like, the, we're going to kind of do a David Letterman top five lies that, that people tell. And, I, and if you've ever told this lie, after I read it, I just want you to say out loud, yep, just, just fess up, okay? All right, here's the first one, top five lies. I was late, I got stuck in traffic. Yep, yeah, me too. Checks in the mail. Yep, me too. You know, I don't know what happened. My alarm didn't go off. Okay, yep. Yeah. I, you know, I'd like to, but I can't. Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't like to, so I'm not. And then, then and my favorite one, though, is I'm fine. <laughs> Have you ever said you're fine when you're not? Happened to me when I was just before service. I'm standing back there, and, 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 and a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, Tim, how's everything? And I said, Great. What a liar. Everything's not great. Anybody tells me in this house today that everything is great in your life, I'm calling you a liar. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Somebody said that fine is an acrostic. F-I-N-E stands for feelings inside, not expressed. And listen now, we, you know, this is just little stuff, but we tell ourselves lies about our lies so that we don't feel like we're lying. It was just a little white lie. Or I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Or it doesn't matter if I underreport my income because the government's corrupt and I didn't vote for them anyways. We, I know, we lie to avoid trouble. We lie to get out of trouble. We lie to save money. We lie to make money. We lie to make ourselves look good. We lie to keep ourselves from looking bad. We like to say I'm an honest person who can be trusted. But the truth is we can, come on now, let's not play games here this morning. I can believe the Bible is true all day long and still not be a person of truth. I mean, come on, it's, it, 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 it's in God's big ten. It's the ninth commandment not to lie and it's not just an Old Testament thing, it's in the New Testament. In Colossians it says really clearly, stop lying to each other. And it didn't say, stop lying to each other about the big things. 
<laughs> you just said stop lying to each other. But I, I realize that as I'm going off on this, somebody in the house today is going, oh yeah, big bold face lies where, where, where you hurt somebody or mislead somebody or deceive somebody. That's really bad, but I don't do that. I'm, I'm only not truthful about little stuff that doesn't matter. So, so what's the big deal? Why does being a person of truth matter so much? Good question. Thanks for asking. The reason being a person of truth matters is because there's a deep connection between truth and relationship. In, in, in Liar Liar, the little boy didn't wish that his dad would become a person of truth so that he could say his dad was better at following religious rules. And he didn't wish that his dad would become a person of truth so that his dad would become a squeaky clean I never tell a lie, goody two-shoes of a person. It was so his dad would come home and spend time with him. See, that's what the whole movie is about. That, that truthfulness, that when truthfulness, without truthfulness, love and relationships suffer. And I, everybody here, we hate it when we find out somebody lied to us or we feel like someone is lying to us. Because, you know, 99.99999% of the time when somebody isn't truthful, we know they weren't truthful because they were just watching out for themselves. And if in this relationship, I'm just looking out for me, then how can I say I love you? Folks, it's one thing to believe the Bible is true, but God wants us to go beyond believing the Bible is true to being people of truth. We've got to understand this. Dishonesty is ultimately an assault on love. It tears at the very fabric of relationship. It tears at the... Even more than that, it tears at the very foundation of the universe. It's going to get profound. Watch this. At least for me anyways. <laughs> Humor me. Before, be, before there was a universe, God existed as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That whole thing of the Trinity that God is three in one, one in three, yet He's one, He's three. It's, you know, it's, it, it, it's hard to comprehend. But part of what that's telling us is that God has been in relationship within Himself from all time, before all time, forever. Perfect, unbroken, loving relationship. No lies, no deceit, no dishonesty, no deception. O only true, profound, loving relationalness. That's how God always has been. And the most amazing part of, this, of the story of the God who is love within himself from all eternity is that he reaches out into, into the nothingness and, and cre creates us. And the Bible says when he created us, he created us to be like him. And see, us being like him isn't about us cleaning up our act, per se. Us being like him is moving in to a fully relational, love-based being and existence. And that's how things were originally, but you can you probably remember if you've been around church much, how everything got all screwed up. The first people, you know, they're living in this garden paradise. Then the serpent comes along and when the woman says that God said not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Because if they did, God said that they'd die. Look what the serpent said. Serpent said, this is a very contemporary translation, but it's on target. Serpent says, that's a lie. You'll not die. God knows very well that the instant you eat it, you'll become like him. Notice this. The very first thing that evil did to undermine and destroy the loving community the world was originally made to be was to lie. 
But it wasn't just a lie, it was lying on God. The lie ultimately, the lie that destroyed love was said, you can't trust God. What God said is not true. And when the first people believed that lie, that God couldn't really be trusted, all hell broke loose. And the point of the story from the Bible is not just that it happened, it's that it happens. It's true not just because it happened, but it's also true because it happens. We're still doing what the first people did. We are not, listen now, every single time that I twist or, or bend or stretch the truth, what I'm doing is I'm saying it's, it, it's up to me here. I, I, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this the way I want it to be. I'm going to make sure that everything comes out the way that I want it to be. I'm going to trust me and my ability to twist, bend, stretch the truth to get my needs met. See, when I'm not a person of truth, it's because deep down I'm counting on myself and my own story to make things okay. I'm not trusting God. I'm trusting me. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? You can say yes, no, or I don't know. Folks, this is a big deal. No, this is not about coming to church today and having somebody, you know, say liar, liar, pants on fire. Look what the Bible says. I love this. If you want to enjoy life, God says he wants you to enjoy life. Can he be trusted? Does he really want you to enjoy life? If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue free from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Listen now. Your heavenly father is speaking to you out of love and he was saying you were made for a life of love and love is always based on truth and trust. And when you come to know God in Jesus, truth is not just a fact or a reality. Truth is a person. Jesus didn't say, I have the truth, listen to me. He said, I am the truth. Folks, don't miss this. The founder of all the world religions say, hey, follow me and I'll help you find the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth and I've come to find you. The truth has come to find you. He didn't want you to just believe the Bible is true. He wants you and he wants me to be people of truth like him. Funny thing happened while I was working on this talk. Uh, I was supposed to have it done and uh, end of the people who do the PowerPoint production team here on, on Friday. And uh, I was about half done on Friday. And uh, I, I just, you know, so I turned it in on Saturday and, and I'm late and, 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 uh, I so bad wanted to lie. <laughs> I wanted to say, you know, I'm really sorry. Our, two of my girls were sick this week. That's true. Two of my girls were sick this week. But that's not why I didn't get it done. I so bad wanted to say, oh man, I, you know, I just, I, 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 I just had a really rough week and I, and I, and I wasn't feeling good. That's true. But that's not why I didn't get it done. I, I didn't get it done because I just didn't manage my time well this week. So I was going, hey, this would be a good time not to lie when you're sending in a sermon on truth. 
So I just said, I'm sorry. I managed my time poorly. And I'm sorry for the inconvenience that I caused the team here. And uh, I, I say that just because I want you to know I'm with you. I struggle with this. But um, I want to be a person of truth. Don't you? Let's pray. God help us. I pray for that person especially who maybe is stuck in compulsive lying. They can't even remember. They told so many lies. They can't remember what's true no more. But I also pray for that person who's beating themselves up and putting themselves down on a daily basis for that lie they told. Let them know that in Jesus they are forgiven. Nothing can separate us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you don't just tell the truth. We thank you that you are the truth. And in the name of the truth, everybody said...